This is power. <laughs> this is power. This is power. Okay, we're starting in three, two, this is one. This is this is this is power. You're listening to Power in Heels. She is the founder and creative behind the trailblazing company I Design and is changing the way we look at accessibility in fashion. We're so excited to discuss what it means to create braille fashion and learn how exactly she went from a simple idea to having a viable product on the market. Let's welcome the inspiring Alexa Jovanovic to the show. Well, I guess we can start off by talking to us a little bit about where your passion for fashion came from. So yeah, when I was younger, I don't know what it was, but I had just always loved dress up. You could always find me in my mom's clothes, whether it was feathers, beads, massive high heel shoes. And that's something that just sort of never left me. I, to this day, still love dress up. My favorite thing is going thrifting, finding the most unique things. And uh, I don't know what it was, but fashion, it just it really is the best way to kind of represent your personality. First impressions mean everything. And then also just that own comfort of wearing something that you feel good in. When you look good, you naturally just feel better. And so it's always been a huge outlet of mine for creativity. And it's kind of just become who I am. My clothes are so much of my identity. And I think that's kind of where it stems into the company, like wearing Braille on my clothing. Yeah, it looks really beautiful. It has this intricate beading, but it also just says so much about who you you are so fashion just has so many so much power to do everything for you and your personality what your values are fair enough yeah that's super cool but how did the idea to incorporate braille into fashion come from and how did you decide to pursue that and go for it a lot of it did stem from that love of fashion naturally mm-hmm. so beads being a really big thing for me when i was younger i distinctly remember there is this one time i was window shopping i was in my fourth year university in the back of my mind trying to think about what would my capstone or thesis be and i just walked straight up to this beautiful beautiful beaded jacket and had this aha moment. I was like, wow, this is beautiful. But what if it had a function beyond its aesthetic value? What if we moved all of these beads ever so slightly that they actually created a phrase that was functional? What if that phrase was Braille? What if it could empower an entire community of people that are largely misrepresented when it comes to fashion? You know, I made the immediate comparison between the similarity in size of small beads and the size of Braille, had that aha moment, went home, did a ton of research, nothing even remotely close existed to it. There was also no research even relating to individuals with disabilities as consumers, let alone consumers of fashion. So right there, it's like, okay, this is a way bigger problem than I even realized. Made a prototype and then immediately started reaching out to different people in the GTA, reached out to different organizations that worked with individuals who are visually impaired and just started having really genuine dialogue about fashion from clothing identification. So how do you choose what you want to wear? How do you organize your closet? Do you care about fashion trends? Do you only wear one color versus another? All the way to those misconceptions of what it means to look and feel blind and how so much of the disability of being blind really does stem from those social aspects. Being able to navigate through the world with visual impairments, there are all these accessible tools that have come into place, but the social stigma still exists and that almost makes the experience that much harder. It was really important going through
through all of those lived experiences, hearing those stories. And together, the end result was what we created here. So seeing how passionate every single person I interviewed was, what a difference this was already making in their lives, knowing that it was just one or two research prototypes. They were already becoming ambassadors for the products. I was interviewing this one particular woman. We were just scheduling our second interview. She actually surprised me and she brought four of her sighted friends with her because she was so excited for them to see what she was a part of. And she sort of took over the interview, started interviewing them instead, asked if they would like this, what their conceptions of blindness. And it was just really powerful to witness that in person. And it was sort of in that moment that I was like, okay, this has real potential to make a difference and to really start building a new standard of inclusivity in fashion. So that's when it started. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is my life purpose now. We're going for it. That's so cool. And the fact that it started as like a school project, but really you found that passion behind it. Were there any major lessons that you learned or things that you didn't know when you started regarding that community and regarding inclusion and fashion? Yeah, absolutely. I knew that disability wasn't really largely represented in fashion, but it wasn't really until I started diving into research that I realized how excluded the community really was. Diversity and inclusion have become more important in fashion. There becomes these trendy topics to talk about, but individuals with disabilities still are excluded in that conversation. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done. Some standout moments that came out of those initial conversations were fears of wearing different colors. There were several individuals I spoke to that mentioned finding that perfect top or that perfect pair of pants when they fit you and you're just like, I love this. I need to buy it in every single color. That wasn't necessarily a reality because for a lot of the individuals I was talking with, the biggest way to determine one piece of clothing from another is the difference in texture. But when you're buying that exact same piece and only in different colors, the texture is going to be the exact same for all of them. So maybe you love them, but you're actually just buying each pair in black. So there are a lot of individuals I met who were only wearing the color black. So that way they didn't have any fear of pairing colors that didn't necessarily match or prints that didn't match well. Because for the most part, black works well with almost everything. There are some individuals who mentioned having to put holes in the corner of their clothes just to be able to distinguish one item from another. So even just hearing those experiences having to actually damage your clothing in order to know which is which did not seem like the proper way to be able to identify your clothing. There was previously something on the market. They sort of look like these tiny little license plates almost. They're pretty heavy. They're made out of metal. They just have a braille word, but they look very medicinal. So a few participants had mentioned that they've used those previously, but because they're so heavy, they actually create holes in your clothes and you have to sew them in. They're not comfortable. They're cold and just Nobody wants to wear that. So through our research discussions, we actually ended up creating a second product in addition to all the clothing with Braille. And it was kind of like a new and improved version of that color identification. It's similar to like a tie clip or a barrette. You could just slide on to the hem of your clothing it has the color in Braille. It's very sleek. It's very easy to remove. So you can wear it while your clothing is on you and it just looks fashionable or you could easily take it off slip it in your pocket only use it when you're laundering your clothing so that was something that was just born out of pure need and conversation through this process so there's definitely so much that needs to be done there were a few conversations where people mentioned if they said that they had an interest in fashion or that they really cared about what they looked like others would say well if you can't see what you look like why do you care what you look like but it goes back to the, you feel good when you look good, whether or not you know how exactly. you look, when you have an idea of what you want to look like and you put that on, you've got that feeling right there. 
And then there's the misconception that everyone who does have a visual impairment or blindness is completely blind. You just see total darkness. And that's also not the case. Blindness is a spectrum. So you might have some peripheral vision, or you might just be able to see straight through your eye, something that's similar to the size of a pin or a straw. That typically comes from a condition called retinitis pigmentosa. It's not just don't see anything, have a white cane or a dog wearing black sunglasses and sweatpants all the time. So we're really trying to transform what that message is. A lot of times when you think of disability, it's often that token white person in a wheelchair. And not only is blindness so much more than one type of blind person, disability as a whole is so much more than the white person in a wheelchair. So we're just trying to change that and make fashion that can truly be worn by anyone. So that really just goes to show you why co-design processes are so important. And that's what happens when you work directly with the end consumer. We'll talk about the challenges that exist, what kind of products might be best, what colors, what should the braille stay, where should the placement go, all of the way to how can we build a stronger community that isn't just about buying clothes, but really just empowering one another. So through those conversations, that's where we figured out, should the braille just describe the actual clothing? So like my original research prototypes would say, this is a blue dress. It's made out of this material. It's machine washable. It has this type of cut. There is a silver zipper in the back. The beads are all Swarovski crystal. They're white. But then in these co-design processes, there was a real desire for phrases that were also just more inspirational and more specific to the individual. So for example, I'm currently wearing a t-shirt that says fashion is for everyone. So that's something that doesn't describe what the piece is, but very much describes your values, which is something that fashion can do too. And now we offer custom pieces. So you can order any of our t-shirts or any of our masks or other products and choose the braille that you want to be on the clothing. And it's almost like a hidden message or something that people can buy in groups. Or we've had companies who have even put their company names in braille on a t-shirt to just then again, show that they are inclusive and they truly care about accessibility. It's not just sort of a performative act in any way. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. The fact that you're working like with the end consumer as well, I think is so important. And then you not only get, you know, what you think would be best, but also, of course, their own firsthand experience of what they would want. So, you know, it's like kind of like makes it a bit more personable too for them, which I think is great. Yeah, we uh, were really fortunate to partner with the American Foundation for the Blind really early on in our business. So they've been a huge resource, but it's just really incredible to be able to work so closely with the community, the experience and seeing how important it is to others. You can tell that this is something that's largely been missed in the market. So I don't know why all brands don't constantly work with the end consumer, whether it's disability or not, it's just such an important thing to contribute. We also donate a portion of our proceeds back to the community. So a portion goes back to the American Foundation for the Blind. And as we continue to grow, we want to make sure that we can employ individuals with disabilities, Just really make sure that everyone that we work with has these same shared values and sort of become an industry leader of how you can really incorporate different communities into your workforces and the importance of being accessible and really how it can benefit you long-term. So many products, when you take disability in mind, they end up being such a far superior product at the end because there are so many tools that can benefit someone with a disability, but without realizing also help those that don't have that disability. All of like the voice technology that we use nowadays, that was specifically for individuals who were blind or had vision loss. Now it's something that we use in our everyday lives. It's really just taking it into consideration from the start. How can we make something that really works for everyone? Coming up next on Power in Heels. Happened to come across my portfolio 
Bio website. So there you go. Put your work out there. You never know who will come across it. What, like, I guess in your personal opinion, are some really big mistakes that you find designers, manufacturers, even distributors are making when it comes to being inclusive? Conversations about disability and inclusion have really come up in the past year. And oftentimes they include individuals from different races, which is phenomenal. Individuals with different ages, different sexual orientations. But that disability aspect is still largely overlooked, which is that much worse when the conversation is supposed to specifically be about inclusion. There's still a whole entire group that's being excluded. That is the number one mistake that I've come across. It's something that is so easy to incorporate. It's something that there shouldn't have been excluded in the first place. But when the specific topic is about inclusion and you're still actively excluding people, that's a really big problem that I'm not cool with. So really working hard to fix that. Other things are really just when it comes to assuming the needs of someone. There have been conversations that have come up where someone has reached out and said like, hey, we created this product. We'd love for you to be an ambassador for it. And the person will be like, well, who tested this firsthand? Because this does not seem like something that would actually be useful to my day-to-day life. So that's a big thing. There are certain times where I've come across different pieces that have Braille on them, but the Braille is completely flat. So it's just a 2D visual element. As you know, Braille is a tactile medium so <laughs> yeah that's not that's how it works <laughs> no exactly so I mean who is that really helping is the action to be inclusive or diverse really genuine or is it really just becoming trendy so if you want to be inclusive truly be inclusive if you say you're accessible you have to be accessible to everyone it's just not kind of half-assing any of these pieces because Nobody deserves to be treated that way. Those are great points to bring up and and things that not only the fashion industry, but multiple industries need to be taking seriously and need to be looking at themselves, basically, you know, reevaluating the way that they do things. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the company and your designs and how you basically went from an idea and how you brought it to market. Because of course, designing something, it's, it's a lot of work, but then this whole aspect of bringing it to market. So I want to ask a little bit about your process and how you did it. Yeah, absolutely. So it was definitely a challenge. To this day, it is still (laughs) a challenge, but it's really exciting to keep reflecting on how far we've come. And I think that momentum is really what's propelling us forward still. And the fact that we did launch this company during a pandemic brought its own set (laughs) of challenges. But yeah, as I mentioned, it originated as a research project, was super cool. I thought I was going to go into a master's program to kind of get a bit more research and didn't really find any master's programs that fit. So I really didn't know what that next step was. That's a challenge that I feel comes up with a lot of people. They have these great ideas, but now what? It can be very daunting to start a business. So I ended up being really fortunate. I had actually gotten a call from CTV News and they were doing features on individuals in fashion who are working with those with disabilities. Happened to come across my portfolio website. So there you go. That's another big thing. Put your work out there. You never know who will come across it. Did a feature and all of a sudden was getting all of these phone calls from people who wanted to be involved in the project or how could they buy these pieces? And I went, okay, I have two prototypes, but now we're ready to become a business. (laughs) I ended up joining the fashion zone incubator at the university. And so that was 
crucial. If you are interested in starting a business, finding an incubator or a mentor, someone who has already gone through this process, that is the number one best thing that you can do. I learned so much so quickly and I didn't realize so many of these steps even went into running a business. So I joined the incubator in fall of 2019 and by January, 2020, I was a full-fledged business. I was incorporated and I was getting ready to start releasing product, really making sure that you have a really strong brand message is the most important thing. When you're building a business, so many different things are gonna come up, so many opportunities, it's gonna be hard to say no to them. So what's really important is to have a really strong mission from day one and kind of what you want your end goal to be. So you can make sure that you're saying yes to opportunities that really align with where you want to see your brand going. So we had the opportunity to work with Tech Toronto. I was a speaker for their retail aspect and it was all about incorporating different senses into fashion and marketing. So we talked a lot about tactile touch and incorporating braille and how that could really enhance the experience for all users. And then from there, we were able to get onto breakfast television where we were able to showcase more of the fashion side. And so very quickly being able to show the importance of what we were doing. We weren't just selling a product. We didn't even have product for sale yet. We were just trying <laughs> to communicate, why is this important? And really start to understand, is this something people truly want? They had expressed interest a few months prior, but now what is the relationship going to be? You don't want to make something and then say, okay, now let's find some people to buy it. You want that to be a very holistic approach. And that's why it's so important to work with those end users from day one. You're already going to have individuals who are interested in what you're doing. So those are the biggest lessons. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you to our sponsor, Mackenzie Lake Lawyers. If you go further and you look, okay, so now you have a product, you've tested it, you have people who actually want to buy it, but then the next problem comes up, you got to manufacture it. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the lessons that you learned when you were trying to figure out how to manufacture this product and the way that you were going to do it. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, of course. From the start, one of those values I had was that the product needed to be ethically made, had to be as sustainable as possible. It already cut out so many manufacturers from the list. So that's horrible to say, but it is the reality. Yeah. And I knew I wanted everything to be North American made. These t-shirts are actually created in LA. The masks that we create are actually handmade in Toronto. We have our two manufacturers there, but as we're now trying to look for additional pieces that are a little bit more unique, we've got a really beautiful denim jacket that has beading on the back. We have these white trousers that are a tuxedo pant that have black braille down the side. All of these pieces start to get a lot more complicated. So it's really important to find a manufacturer who understands what exactly you're looking for. So that's really where a challenge is that we want to make sure that these pieces are really high quality, that they're well-made, they're sustainable, that they're ethical, but that with all these additional values that we're adding on to the manufacturing process, that it doesn't result in an end price that is no longer attainable. So it's really trying to find out what is that proper model. A lot of times to bring down the costs, you have to order in bulk, but that's also not necessarily the best thing to do for the environment. You don't want to contribute to overconsumption and just sitting on inventory. So you also don't want all of your capital to be stopped or held up in inventory. But then also you need to know what your consumers want. Right now, we're starting to look into what could a 
made-to-order option look like or pre-sales or what could that really mean for the consumer? Over the past year in 2020, the fashion landscape as a whole has really evolved. So have the wants and needs of consumers. It's really become more evident that people are now prioritizing quality, anything that is inclusive, pieces that are sustainable and overall comfortable and have values that they share. This is a really prime opportunity to also start educating consumers about slow fashion and really caring more about what you're buying. You don't necessarily need something to arrive to you in 24 or 48 hours. Maybe it takes two, three, four, eight weeks, but it's a piece that's going to last for a very long time that you're helping all of these different people locally. So it's really taking that opportunity, whereas previously, when I was just starting to run the business and looking at manufacturing, I was so worried that I was going to have to have all of this bulk product. How are we going to do this? How are we going to circulate it all? But because of the way that the landscape has changed, it's just really important to be as flexible and possible and understanding now that those previous standards within fashion don't exist. Everything's changing. Now I can change too. I don't have to release three, four collections a year, one every season, 15 pieces each time. I could focus on what I actually want to do as a designer and as a brand and releasing pieces more slowly that you know people actually want is also going to be something that really ties into our mission. So that's been the biggest challenge manufacturing wise. And then with the pandemic, certain manufacturers were closing down or you couldn't have as many staff members. So everything really just sort of changed. But I think that it's actually going to do a lot better for fashion in the long run. We're going to reduce a lot of waste. So we're still figuring it out. But uh, um, that's kind of one of the reasons we started with t-shirts. It was the easiest to be able to produce. But when you really think about it, the t-shirt is also the most accessible and inclusive piece out there. Absolutely. Any gender, race, age can wear a t-shirt. The t-shirt is the most basic piece, but it can also be elevated so quickly. Now with the reality of Zoom calls, this braille is placed perfectly. It's a little bit fashionable, <laughs> but you also know exactly what my values are, that I'm an incredibly inclusive person, that I care about everyone it's really comfortable too. So for work from home loungewear, like it's really just figuring out, okay, the first piece I wanted to originally produce was the denim jacket that we have. It has mm -hmm. 750 beads on it, oh way more than the roughly <laughs> 60 that I'm currently wearing on this t-shirt. So that alone is a whole nother manufacturing conversation, but nobody necessarily needs a denim jacket when you're sitting at home on Zoom meeting. So it wasn't the appropriate time, but 2022, maybe that's the year of the denim jacket. <laughs> Is there any other lessons or maybe even mistakes that you learned when you were looking into manufacturing? I would say the fear of wanting to do too much too quickly. You compare yourselves to all of these larger brands, the experiences they're able to provide. You want to match them so quickly. But to spend so much money into some of those pieces at the very beginning, it's just not a valuable thing to do long-term. I'm currently bootstrapping the entire piece. So to put everything into one product to feel like I need to buy thousand pieces of something that's just not really going to be worth it. You want to be able to do as much user testing in those beginning stages as possible. What if you order those thousand pieces and something went wrong with it? Now you just have a thousand pieces and a lot of capital gone. Really doing things in smaller quantities at the beginning, though they may have a higher individual unit price, you're going to get so much data out of it. You're going to understand what sizes are actually selling best. Any challenges that come up, just think of them as learning opportunities. There may be things where we've purchased something or we start manufacturing and be like, oh, like I actually don't really like that. Well, unfortunate as that is, now I know and I will never do that again. 
you're learning. Those companies that you're likely comparing yourselves to, they've been doing this for a long time. There's no harm in reaching out to them. Maybe someone will respond to you and be able to give you some advice. I've been lucky to have a lot of amazing mentorship through this process, especially within the inclusive space. Everyone really just wants everyone to succeed. Disability has been overlooked for so long that when you reach out to others within this particular community, everyone just wants to help. That would be the biggest piece of advice. Things will work out as long as you have the passion to make them work out. Hey everybody, it's Whitney here. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more step-by-step guides to success from powerful women every single week. Well, I guess it's kind of random to just ask it now, but I, I, I am very curious on the name I design. Yes. Okay. So with the name I design, there are a lot of miscommunication at the very beginning of how it's pronounced. Whenever possible now, I always put in brackets pronounced I until everyone knows that so it's actually a French word. It comes from the verb aller, which means to go essentially with this name. We're saying that this is the direction that fashion needs to move forward into inclusivity now needs to be at the forefront. And we are going to be that company that really educates and builds awareness about why it is important. Being a French verb is kind of a nod to our Canadian heritage, but also the founder of Braille, who is Louis Braille, and he was from France. And in our actual logo, the two dots on the letter I are actually Braille, and they're the Braille character for the letter I. Not only does it describe how the name is pronounced, but it gives that nod to Braille in a way that doesn't look like it would be a very accessible or disability focused piece. And then with the pronunciation of it being I, similar to EYE, it's a direct relation to the fact that we're working directly with individuals with visual impairments and that the Braille on our clothing is providing that vision, that eyesight. If you want to take it one step further, the personal eye. So knowing that all of our garments are designed to empower and increase independence. You know, if you're blind or visually impaired and can read Braille, you can fully identify all of our clothes without the sight of someone else or their help or other accessibility tools. For all of our pieces that fully describe what the garment is, you yourself can know how to launder it, how to pair it with something else, what exactly it is, and it just provides all of that independence. So that's really the story. I knew I wanted it to start with the letter A, and then it was just went from there, and it all just fell together so beautifully, uh, and that's how the name came together. I love that. And I mean, I I love hearing about how companies' names come together, because there's always a great story behind it. It's always a great idea. (laughs) I love that. All the experience that you have, if you would take all of that, and if you had to make a step-by-step guidebook on how to take a product idea and turn it into an actual product on the market, including manufacturing and all, what would you put in this guidebook? (laughs) Well, I already wish that I had this guidebook like a few months back. (laughs) Step one is coming up with a unique idea. Right after that, do as much research as possible. Is this a product that already exists? If it does, or if there's something that's similar, start reading all of the different product reviews of the product that already exists, of different companies that are kind of already manufacturing or creating or selling that particular product. See what it is that the users and consumers actually like about that product and what they don't like about that product. So you can make sure in your design, you're catering to all of those likes. And then this is an opportunity for you now to become the superior product 
and change everything that they didn't like. Step three, you are going to then take this product and now test it as much as possible. Have interviews with people who might be your potential end consumer. Confirm if they actually are your end consumer. Maybe you're targeting to the wrong person altogether. Find out what they actually like. What would they add to it? If there's something tangible that you can actually test with that person, get them to test it. See what that user experience is like. What could be improved? And just keep doing that over and over again. Now you're into your manufacturing stage. There are a lot of different ways to start building capital for manufacturing. You could go through a platform. You could go online. Like GoFundMe, build a lot of capital there, but be very mindful before you do something like that. What are your manufacturing lead times going to be? Make sure that you can be as transparent as possible. People like working with other people. They don't want to work with a robot of some sort. They really want you to be empathetic as much as possible. So being able to feel like you're supporting this one individual person rather than just this massive corporation and you have no idea where your funds end up going. When you're going into manufacturing, get quotes from a lot of different people. That next stage is really just finding a mentor of some sort, whether that's through someone you haven't met yet, but you're going to start reaching out to them on LinkedIn. Do you have similar interests? Maybe you can just get a 15 minute coffee. People love to help other people. Just start being in groups of like-minded people who can really help you grow your business. The best advice that I've got has really been from these group situations, either from entrepreneurs who have gone through this journey for quite some time or people that are in a similar stage, but we're all just going through it at the exact same time together. There's two things that you mentioned that actually surprised me a little bit. So the first one was when you're kind of looking at your product and everything, you said to look at your competitors too and look at their mm -hmm. reviews. That's something that I haven't heard very often. That's actually a really great piece of advice because you're right. There's, there's so many things out in the market. Like the chance that you don't have a competitor is very slim. So most likely you won't <laughs> have a competitor when you're when you're looking at that so to look at them and to look at what they're doing right but also what they're doing wrong and what their consumers <laughs> think about them is such a good idea and that's something that I don't think people talk about it enough. Oh, I'm so happy that was a good takeaway. And the the other point that you brought up that surprised me a little bit and, and made me think a lot was you talked about raising capital because of course you can't develop anything and you can't start manufacturing anything without capital. So I don't know if you have any more tips mm. surrounding those or anything that you learned a lot from. Yeah, of course. So um, something that often isn't taken advantage of or looked into enough is actually grants and different scholarship type of opportunities. There's a lot of money out there and yes, you have to apply and you may not always receive it. But what I found from all of the applications that we've sent in is my ability to tell our company story or to pitch the company becomes stronger every single time. So while yes, we may have not won $50,000 right after submitting this application, I have already been rewarded with having a better understanding of what my company is about, what we're trying to achieve, how to better communicate it. So definitely take advantage of those, whether or not it comes out with a financial benefit, you're at least going to benefit from something. Now, I would love to know what your goals, dreams, and aspirations are for the future yeah. of iDesign. Absolutely. Number one goal is to build a new level of inclusion worldwide, whether any piece that we have can just inspire someone to start thinking differently and to consider accessibility and inclusivity in their own personal lives. That's a huge takeaway. That's something very small, but that will have a huge impact over time. Beyond that, 
we really want to change that level of inclusion. And to be able to do that, we really need to make this as big as possible. One way that we feel that we could have the strongest impact is partnering with larger companies who already have the bandwidth and the manufacturing that if we were to do a collaboration with them, you all of a sudden get an inclusive piece in front of so many different people. And they're all of a sudden going to start to understand the value in creating something that's inclusive or accessible. So lastly, we definitely want to be able to work with as many individuals with disabilities as possible, being able to employ individuals with disabilities and really build a new standard of inclusion in that sense as well. So individuals with disabilities are still just siloed so much, but being able to create this product that can be worn by anyone that has this beautiful braille beading. And to touch on that, actually, the braille beading being used with Swarovski crystals, that was very intentional. Swarovski has all of these connotations of beauty and luxury, and then beadwork itself, everything is hand beaded those more time-consuming processes, they all have such a value attached to them. And these are words that are never really associated with the disability community or individuals specifically with disabilities. So really trying to change all of those perceptions is the biggest goal. Now, do you have any advice for others who may be listening that want to get into the fashion industry? Uh, Do as much research as you can going into it prior to going to university. The big dream while I was loving dress up was to be the editor-in-chief of a new high-end fashion magazine. But coming to university, learning about diversity, accessibility, and the lack thereof it within fashion, I very quickly learned that fashion did not just have to be this frivolous thing with feathers and beads, but that those beads could actually have a purpose. So ask yourself why you want to work in fashion. That itself will really help you determine what area in fashion you might be most interested in. And then start reaching out to people that are in those specific areas that are already working there. Research, no matter what you are doing, developing a product, starting a business, trying to figure out what your life passion is. Research is the biggest thing. There is no shortage of people you can talk to. Just ask them and you'll find out. For sure. Yeah, that's great. Great (laughs) advice. Definitely. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, as much as I would love to keep talking to you forever, we do have (laughs) to bring the interview to a close. But um, before we wrap up, we love to just give you know our guests an opportunity to say what they would like to our listeners anything that you would like to share any last piece of advice or wisdom uh the time is yours thank you really follow your passions work really hard and uh, be flexible, be open-minded. You're going to evolve so much as a person. And that means your passions are going to evolve too. But really just try to think, what are your main goals? What are your values? Stay true to them. Don't kind of get persuaded into anything that you don't want to do. Stick to who you are. And if that means being an entrepreneur and running a company, listen to the other advice that I just gave (laughs) during this interview and uh, be on your way. But also, if uh, you're ever interested in being a part of iDesign or do want some sort of mentorship or some advice, I'm very happy to answer calls or emails or have a chat. So uh, you can reach out to us on Instagram. The handle is iDesign, spelled A-I-L-L-E, design, or uh, you can email us at hello at iDesign. And all of that information is also on our website. I would absolutely love to be able to give back and give those same talks and advice to other people as well. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on the show. I mean, Mm -hmm. I learned so much. well yeah very inspired (laughs) i'm sure our listeners loved it as well so thank you so much for joining us today my pleasure thank you so much for asking me it was an honor 
That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for being a part of our audience and our network. Don't forget to hit subscribe. And of course, if you have any ideas for our show that you would like to share with us, you can chat directly with us through our website. This is, this is, this is.